Well, good morning. Can you all hear me okay? All right. The text that we're going to be looking at this morning, if you can, turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, or your phone, if you've got a phone that's got it on it. We're going to be going to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be going to the 13th chapter. We're going to be starting in verse uh, 17. 17. And uh, we'll be ending in verse 17 as well. If you bear with us just a minute, we'll get it pulled up here on the screen. Okay, this is the word of the Lord. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let's pray together. Lord God, We come before you now and we thank you for your word. Lord, it is your word that gives life and direction. It is your word that brings hope in the midst of darkness and keeps our eyes away from all of the distractions and all of the lies of the evil one so that we can set our face toward heaven, toward the beautiful city that is held out for us in Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray that your word would have its effect today in all of our hearts, the heart of the church, the heart of the elders, and in my heart. So God, I pray that it would be powerful now and that the thoughts of my mind and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to be looking at that one text, Hebrews 13, 17. But the title of the sermon, based off that text, is The Weight and the Blessing of Elders. Now, as I stand here today, there is some excitement in my heart at the thought of my brother joining with the elders of this church. But there's also a lot of trepidation and fear. Not because he's going to do a bad job. I think he'll do a wonderful job. But the office of elder is not an office that should be taken lightly. It's a very, very weighty thing. And it's a weighty thing both for the elder who's going to be assuming that office as well as for the church. So the first point I'm going to be looking at today 
is the point that being an elder is an incredibly and immensely weighty thing. But the second aspect to this is that elders, both being and having elders, is an unfathomable blessing to the church. So we're going to start by going with the first point. We're going to look at the weight of what this is. And then we'll finally at the end end with the blessing. So it may start off sounding like it's all doom and gloom. But I promise there's going to be beauty seen in this. If we look at the text together, we find it says, Obey your leaders. And submit to them. I think it's helpful to start by asking this question. Why is it that Paul and God in his word would give a command to obey your leaders and submit to them? If everybody's natural inclination of their heart was to obey and submit to their elders, why would this text even be needed? The reason why this text is here is because the natural inclination of the heart of men is to not obey their leaders and submit to them. There is, within the hearts of each of us, a natural yearning to be our own leader. We don't want people to stand up and rule over us, and we certainly don't want to obey them. So, this text is very relevant for each of us because this goes against the natural way that we were made. And there's an exhortation here that I want to give both to the church and to the elders. Because, like I mentioned earlier, the weightiness of the task applies both to the church and to the elders. And so this exhortation today is not going to be specifically focused on Brady, but it's going to be directed towards the session of elders and towards the church who's supposed to obey them. So, to the elders. Your church members are called to obey and submit to you. Inside of them there's going to be a natural inclination to kick against your leadership. But in order for this dynamic to work, there has to be both a church who understands what leaders they're supposed to submit to and leaders who are supposed to understand what church they oversee and give an account of. Here's why I say this. It is extremely important as a church that you understand who the church is and who the elders are. The elders are going to be called upon by God to give an account of their oversight. And they are going to have members that kick against that oversight. 
And whenever the times get hard and the members are kicking against the oversight, it's going to feel like a task that is burdensome and one that you don't want to bear. But it's one that is ultimately going to have to result in you giving an account to God. So if you're going to bear that immense burden of trying to shepherd people that are kicking against your leadership, then you want to make sure that you understand who the people are that you are going to be called upon by God to give an account for. This is a reason why meaningful church membership is extremely important. The elders have to know for whom they're going to have to give an account. The elders are not called upon to bear the burden of people to whom they will not have to give an account of God, uh, of to God, but they're called upon to bear the burden of those for whom they're going to have to give an account. So, what does it mean for the church to obey and submit to their leaders? If you think about this, my wife mentioned this to me a while back and it was really good as it relates to headship and submission in a marriage. You see, a husband is called to lead his wife and the wife is called to submit to her husband in everything. But it's only submission... If the thing that you are being called upon to do goes against what you naturally want to do. If you only obey and submit to your leaders in times whenever they're telling you to do things that you already want to do, it's not submission. It's not yielding. The church is called upon to yield their will to what the leaders are instructing. So if you think about it in that moment, the elders and the leaders say one thing to you and you feel like you want to go and do something totally different. As a church, you are being called upon to yield your will and submit to what the leaders have to say. Now there's probably going to be a temptation in the midst of this to hold on to your own autonomy. Here's what I mean. There's going to be a temptation for you as church members to appoint Brady as an elder in name only. What I mean by that is you have a session of elders that you have chosen and you have elected. And the question I have for you is, are they truly elders to whom you are willing to submit and yield your life to? Or are they merely people that you have given a name to and set aside But whenever push comes to shove, if they have to speak into your life, you're not willing to go there and let them truly be the elders over you. I say this because it's a common temptation. The temptation is for us to hold on to our own autonomy. We don't like to be ruled. We don't want people to tell us what to do. But church, that's what you're being called upon to do today. And every single day you walk as members of the United Cumberland Presbyterian Church. They cannot merely be your elders in name only. They have to be your elders by your appointment, by you giving up your will and yielding it to them to guide and direct you. But I want to ask the question of who is called to submit? 
The text is clear that the sheep are called to submit, but I think there's more than that. In 1 Peter 5, first verse, Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Dot, dot, dot. What I'm saying is this. As elders, you are called to submit to one another. Every one of you. This is the way that God designed it to work. So whenever I say, church, submit to your elders, I also say, elders, submit to your elders. You, each one of you, has elders. You're not at the top pinnacle to which you have to give an account to nobody but God. Each one of you has the right and the responsibility to both exercise authority over the other elders and to submit to that same authority. Peter could have, in 1 Peter 5, said, I exhort the elders among you as an apostle. The apostles had authority over the elders. But he doesn't. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. There should be mutual submission amongst the elders in the session. And they should submit to one another. Now, the text goes on to say, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. So, The elders are responsible to keep watch over the souls of the church. What does that mean exactly? If you have your Bibles with you and you look in the context, we'll go in Hebrews 13 back up to verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word to you, word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Okay, this is key. In what sense do they exercise oversight? It says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. We're going to keep reading, but let me give a little bit of background. The book of Hebrews is written to Christians who are tempted to go back and embrace Judaism as their method of salvation. The call upon to the elders here is to shepherd the flock, and the call to the flock is to submit to their elders so that they are not led astray as it relates to false teaching and false doctrine. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent or the tabernacle have no right to eat. The blessings that come to us as Christians are things that the Jews never had access to and never will. Don't go back there. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So in what sense are the elders to exercise oversight over the souls of the flock? The elders are meant to guard the flock from false teachings. 
The elders are meant to ensure that the flock rightly understands the way of truth and walks in it. So this is your responsibility. If you look in that text that we just read, it shows that pressures outside of the church are going to tempt the church to move in a direction contrary to God's word. Those who were formerly Jews that became Christians were now being persecuted by the Jews themselves for not going back and doing the same things that they were called upon to do before. Obey the law of Moses, following the customs of the elders, forsake Christ. Okay? The outside pressures of this life are going to do the same thing to you. I want you to look around at the current cultural climate and ask yourself the question whether or not homosexuality and its acceptance is not being pressed on you. Do you feel safe at your job to be able to speak the word of God to your coworkers, or do you feel like you'll be fired for doing it? I say this to say you are going to have trials and temptations in your life that Satan has placed there purposely for the task of leading you out of the way. Just embrace homosexuality. If you do, you'll be accepted. Everybody will praise you. It will be wonderful. Don't criticize your coworkers for the adultery that they're doing. Just stay away from all that. Walk with the world and you will not be persecuted. It is for that exact reason that God has given you elders. They are called upon to make sure that you don't walk that road. Because if you walk that road, you will not make it to the lasting city. We, just like Christ, were called to suffer outside the camp. We do not gain the approval of the world. We get the rejection of the world. But the trial and testing of this culture is going to push us in that direction. And the elders are called upon to make sure that the world, that the church does not go that way. They can't. And this is a big task. But this is what you're called to do. I want to note another point. And this is going to be very essential as a church, as you welcome Brady onto the session and as you continue to live out your days. The elders are not called upon to give an account for your daily lives. Now, you could take that as if I'm saying that the elders don't need to know about your everyday affairs. That would actually be the opposite of what I'm trying to say right now. What I'm trying to say is that the elders are not called to merely have brisk conversations with you, a happy, oh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. And then we move along. They're not called upon to merely see you one day throughout the week and then progress from there. The elders are called upon to guard over your souls. This is not just a personal interaction. Your soul is the very core of who you are. It is the depth of your heart. It's where the affections and the temptations and the fears and the struggles abide. They're called to know that. And they're called to lead that. The temptation for you as a church is going to be to guard your heart off. You don't want them to know what you love. 
You don't want them to know what you fear. You don't want them telling you what to do. Let's make them be our elders and then let's hide. Don't go there. They are called upon by God to watch over your souls, to watch over your heart. They need to know your struggles. They need to know what you love. Do you love Christ or do you love pornography? Do you love Christ or do you love leisure? They have to know these things. Tell me, how can an elder correctly and rightly oversee the souls of his flock to make sure they're going on the right direction home if he doesn't know anything that's going on in their secret and personal life? The answer is they can't. And so I'm exhorting you, church, the Word is exhorting you to not keep those things hidden. It is your responsibility to make sure that the elders know who you are. And not just who you are in your public persona, but who you are in the deepest recesses of your heart. This concept of not being willing to talk about emotions, to talk about your fears, to talk about your struggles, is not something that can exist between the elder and church relationship. You have to open yourself up. But there's a few reasons why you're not going to want to do that. One of them is that you don't trust them. There's going to come times in your life where you don't trust the very elders that you've elected to lead over you. A good reason why you may not trust them is because you actually have an underlying mistrust of God himself. You don't want to let him into the hidden recesses of your heart. And you may feel the same way with them. They're just going to mistreat me. They're going to judge me. I'm going to come and I'm going to tell them about my problem. And they're just going to write me off and think that I'm a terrible mess. Is that the way that God responds to us? It's not. And it's not the way that the elders are going to respond. So this is an exhortation to you as elders. You are called upon to love the church and to be for them an example of Christ. So that when your church members come to you with their brokenness, with their failures, you don't just beat them over the head with it, but you show them love and care. But church, you're not going to want to trust them. And there's actually going to come a time, so listen to me closely, there's going to come a time when you come to the elders and you're finally vulnerable. It may be the first time you've been vulnerable in your whole life. And you tell them about what you're struggling with and they beat you over the head. And then you're going to seal up. You're going to hide. You're going to say, I'm never going to do that again. Don't go there. We are broken people, and we live in the context of a broken people. Okay? The elders are broken, and the church is broken. Just because they beat you over the head doesn't mean that they don't love you. It doesn't mean that it's something that they won't repent from. You have to turn the other cheek and come back to them. You keep letting yourself be vulnerable because you're not ultimately being vulnerable for their sake. You're being vulnerable for God's sake and because it is for the good of your own soul. Keep coming back. Share your issues with them. If you're having marriage struggles, if you're having issues with anything sexual or or anything with anger or any of these things... God has called the elders of the church to oversee that, to help you, to make sure that you make it to the city to come, the city who is built, that is built by God. There may be another reason 
And it may be because you just want to hold on to your sin. I've been there, and I'm sure you have too. It's the idea that says, I like what I'm doing, and if I let somebody else in on the recesses of my heart, they're going to tell me no. And I don't want that. And I just want to speak a word of warning. That is a very dangerous place to be. And if you're in that place where you are hiding your sin away in your heart, do not be surprised if the consequences start to show up in your life and you stop walking toward the city of God away from it. You have got to let the light in. To the elders, you have to make sure that you're seeking out your people. You have to make sure that you are trying to understand and know them. And that's going to be an awkward thing at times. Because you're going to go up and you're going to talk to them and you're going to feel like they don't want to have any conversation with you apart from the surface level. But the Lord God Almighty is calling you to dig deeper than that. The people themselves in appointing you as elders are expecting you to do that very thing. Can you imagine going to the doctor's office? The man is supposed to tell you if he has cancer, if you have cancer. You go, he knows for sure you've got cancer because you've got a big tumor sticking out of the side of your head. And he says, I don't want to go through the rigmarole of having them go through the tests. And good grief, can you imagine how sad they'll be if I come and tell them they're about to die? I'm just going to take their money and sit on it <laughs> because I don't, I, don't want, um, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Nobody would go to a doctor like that. And elders, it's the same thing for you. These people are paying you. They've appointed you for this very task to dig in. They need it. They have to know that you care for them and that you're going to look past the facade to figure out who they really are and to make sure that they are walking the right way. And as we move on, this is what God has called you to do. Look what comes next. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. This is a very scary thing, elders. Because this means that one day you're going to stand before the Lord God Almighty and he is going to ask you, how have you shepherded the sheep that I gave up my own blood for? Are you going to say I was too scared to do what they needed to do? Because God says that those who are cowardice will not inherit the kingdom. If there is anybody in this church that is brave, let them be the elders. I want to read for you a passage from Ezekiel. I read this passage last year and it terrified me. Ezekiel chapter 3 starting in verse 17. Bear with me. I think I'm in the wrong text. There we go. Ezekiel 3.17. Here's what it says. Son of man, 
I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns aside from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. There are going to be times in your walk as elders when everything in you pushes you the other way and says, I will not go and talk to this person. And the only thing in that moment that will keep you to go and do the right thing is knowing his blood will be on my hands. I will have to stand before the Lord and give an account of their blood. Let this be an admonishment to you to do the hard things. I myself was convicted some as I read this, as I studied this text. Not wanting to expose up my heart and the sins in it to my elders, the weaknesses that I'm experiencing. Right now I'm going through some financial difficulties. Not necessarily because of anything external, but just because I made foolish choices. And I want to hide that away because I don't want them to know and, and condemn me. That's not their heart for me. It won't be their heart for you. You can go and you can share and you can get help because the joy of the elder is that you are doing well. <laughs> Point number two. Both having elders and being an elder are meant to be immense, unfathomable blessings from God. <laughs> I want you to look, we'll look back at this text. Bear with me, it's going to take me a minute to flip there. There it is. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. So there are two sets of people here that are going to be experiencing joy. If this is done rightly. Okay? If the church submits rightly to the elders, it will cause the elders to have great joy. Right? That's what the text says. Let them do this with joy. Or, if you look at another translation, in order that they may do this with joy. Okay. So there's supposed to be, in this relationship between elders and the church, joy in the hearts of the elders. And part of that joy comes from knowing that you are doing well. 
Paul says to one of, the, one of the churches he writes to, if not more, you are my joy and my crown. John, the apostle, says, there is no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking well in the Lord. As elders, you're called to love the church, and church, it's a joy to them to do that. That's what they long to do. Nobody seeks this position of having blood on their hands if they don't speak unless they really love you. Believe that. But the text says that the elders should have joy in this relationship, but it also says that the body should have blessing in this. Notice what it says. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So if you disobey the elders, then it's actually going to hurt the whole point of this relationship. This relationship is designed for your good. They're looking out for you. They're loving on you. They're laying down their lives and serving you. They could be playing golf, but they're not. They're caring for you. And they do this for your good. They're trying to show you the serpents, show you the snares, keep you out of all the problems in your life so that you have joy and happiness and that you see Jesus one day and say, I made it. The goal of this relationship is your advantage. If you don't obey and submit to them, you're actually hurting yourself. You're making this relationship that was meant to be absolutely wonderful harder, both for you and for them. So joy is what we're looking for here. If we look at the context, the goal, the end goal in mind, is actually the coming city of God. In the context of the preceding verses, he says, let us suffer outside the camp with Christ. Let us bear the reproach of the world. If you look back a little bit earlier, it says, of all of those who had faith, that they endured hardship because they were seeking a lasting city, a city whose builder and foundations were from God. Something like that. <laughs> the point here is the elders are there to try to help you make it safely, and they want you to have joy along the way. So, why should we submit? The answer is because we need elders in our lives. I know a guy right now who's getting ready with his wife and his kids to leave my church. Not my church as if I'm the leader, but the church that I'm a member of. He has started embracing bad doctrine. He has, as he said, taken off the glasses of all of these men that God has given him to help understand the scriptures, he's put them aside. He said, I don't need them. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Word of God. That's all I need. And he's leaving the church. And I can tell you from all of those near to him that love him, this is a bad thing. But he's doing it because he doesn't think that he needs the elders and he doesn't think he needs to submit to them. And the temptation is going to be the same in your heart. Why have elders, people that are going to tell me what to do? I can just live my life how I want to. I don't have to open up my heart. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Word of God. I can make it. I don't mean to uh, ruin your day, but you can't. You weren't made to. God gave us each the Holy Spirit, but He also appointed elders over us. If you live your life thinking that you don't need the elders and you're not going to submit to them, 
you're actually living in a reality that is contrary to that pictured by the Word of God. Paul went around from church to church to make sure that elders were established in the churches in every city because he thought that they were necessary. Paul said, or Jesus said to Peter before he left, if you love me, shepherd my sheep. Church, you need elders to oversee you. You have Jesus, but Jesus said submit to the elders. He gave them to you for your good. Don't believe the lie that says you don't need them. You do. Don't believe the lie that gets us all so often thinking, I don't need them to know about my problem. I'll just figure it out myself. How many times has that failed? And it just gets worse. (laughs) There is a text here in Isaiah that I want to mention as we look again at For They Keep Watch Over Your Souls. In Isaiah chapter 62... Verse 6, God makes a promise to Jerusalem. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. Remember, the watchmen are the ones who sit on the walls at night while everybody else is sleeping, watching for the enemy. At first sight of the enemy, they're going to ring the bell and make sure that the whole city is awake and alert and safe. He says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. The point is this. Having watchmen on the wall who will not be silent is exactly what we all long for. If you have children, you know this. If you've had children, you know this. As a child, they want just about nothing more than to see their mom and dad sitting by their bed while they sleep at night. There's no greater way for them to have peace than to know my mommy and my daddy are watching out for me. This is the promise that God has given Jerusalem. And this is the goal that he's got in mind for the elders of the church. That he would appoint you as watchmen and you would never be silent when it was your time to ring the bell. He has called them to look out for the dangers and to warn you of them so that you may be safe. They're going to say hard things to you. It's because they see evil and they're trying to warn you. They want you to make it. They really do. And this is supposed to give us great peace. That gives us comfort when we know I don't have to be scared of everything around me because my elders are going to take care of me. They're going to oversee me. They're going to make sure that if there's any dangerous thing, like David says in the psalm, search me, O God, and see if there be any bad way in my heart. They're going to do that same thing for you and to oversee you. <laughs> elders, like I mentioned before, you're going to have to give an account. But that's actually a joyous thing. And there are going to be times whenever everything in you does not want to shepherd this person. You may look around at your church members and you may say, I want to shepherd them, I want to shepherd them, I'm going to have to give an account for them, not them, or them. (laughs) But God has called you to give account of each and every church member. Remember that. God has called you to give an account of each and every church member. That means you've got to do the hard thing with the hard people. 
And while the natural desire of the elder's heart should be love for his flock and a desire to see them grow and to see them healthy, when they're not obeying, it's not going to feel that way. And there's probably going to be times in your heart whenever you say, for love of this person, I actually, I don't, I don't want to help them. <laughs> Here's where joy comes in. At the root, at the base, your motivation as elders cannot be primarily for God's people. It must be primarily to seek the pleasure of hearing from your Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. In the moments whenever you're getting no satisfaction out of pastoring them, no joy, they're making it extremely difficult. You can have joy knowing my satisfaction is with Christ and his well done. I'm going to have to wait, but I'm doing it for that, and you won't be sorry. I remember my pastor was telling me a story one of the toughest counseling cases he ever had to do with his church members. They were struggling with their marriage, but if they would have been honest in their heart, the husband didn't want the marriage to work out. He just wanted vindication for his getting a divorce. And the wife, too, wasn't willing to do what she wanted or what was supposed to happen. And at the end of it all, whenever it's finally over and they're going to get a divorce, he says to them the truth. He said, if you would have cared half as much for your marriage as I did, Y'all would be doing wonderful, and you would be staying together. But they didn't. But he did what he was supposed to do as a pastor anyway, and that's what you're called to do. (laughs) Church, having elders is a scary thing. It's invasive. They could hurt you. And I'm going to be honest, they will hurt you. But also, we're going to think the best of them. They love you. And they love Jesus. And your hope and the reason why you come to them is because the scriptures say this is for your good. God actually put them there because God thinks you need it. His heart towards you is I want to take care of you. I want to make sure that you have what you need. And I'm going to put these people here to love you and care for you and to correct you if you're going down the wrong road. This is a loving father. And these are loving people. And they want to care for you. So fight that. Whatever it is inside that makes you want to hide, that makes you want to stay away, you come to them. Let them know who you are. Don't be the person that stands back and makes them chase after you. Okay, that's making their job difficult. That's making it hard for you. Don't do that. Come to them. So we end this morning summarizing the two points that I had made before. The office of elder and having elders is a very weighty, scary, and can be painful thing. But God has designed it to where when it functions rightly, it is the very means that God is going to use to get you safely to the city that you long for. Let's be blessed and pray. Lord God, you have cared for your sheep 